He turns graves into gardens. And I'm so thankful that he specializes in resurrections. He can resurrect dying hopes and dying dreams, dying relationships. I'm so thankful that we have a God who loves us so much and has so much power. Hey, I want you to greet some people around you and tell them, you look really good today. Okay, that's friendly enough. You can sit down. Hey, we want to welcome you to Woodlands Church. We're so glad that you're here today. God's here, and he wants to speak to you. Um, if you're a guest, we just want you to sit back, relax, and be our guest, and just enjoy the service, and let us really give back to you today. But at this time, our regular tenders, we want to give. It's part of our worship, our offering, where we give back to God some of what he's given us. And there was a time when Jesus was speaking in his hometown of Nazareth, and everyone was amazed at his teaching in the synagogue, and they said, who is this guy? He teaches with such authority. It's amazing. And then someone said, well, we know who he is. He's the son of Joseph and Mary. He went to school with my kids. He grew up right here in Nazareth. You know, he worked in the carpenter shop of his dad's right down the street from here. My kitchen table, he made that. He's no big deal, he's from here. He's not anything special. And it's said that Jesus quoted that a prophet is without honor in his hometown. And then later in the passage, it says that he was unable to do many miracles there because they dishonored him. And I thought that's so interesting because it didn't say that he chose not to do many miracles there. It said that he couldn't do many miracles there. For you see, Jesus, God himself, who could do anything, chose to place himself under this honor system while he was on this earth. And it's God's honor system that he has set up, and that is when you honor God, it unlocks the blessings of God. When you dishonor God, it blocks the blessings of God. And in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first of all that you make the first and the best of all that you make. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. So we honor God through our singing. We honor God through our Bible study. We honor God through our giving. We honor God through our lives. And so as we honor God in our offering, when you honor God, it unlocks the blessings of God. And God says, I'll meet your needs. When we dishonor God, it blocks the blessings of God in our lives. And so it, it's so exciting to be able to give back to God. Because when we give, Jesus said, with the measure you give, it will be measured back to you. And so we're gonna give right now. There are many ways to give. You can give right here, right now, at one of our campuses, or you can give online at wc.org give. If you're worshiping online somewhere in the world today. We want you to be a part of what God is doing at Woodlands Church. Or you can just take out your smartphone right now and you can text the word GIVEWC. It's one word, GIVEWC, to 77977. There are many ways to give, but make it something that is consistent in honoring God and putting him first in everything that you do. Let's bow together and pray. And we know that this world is a crazy place and we know that we live in very uncertain times. So let's pray today, and we know that God is still in control, and let's pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. There's so many Christ followers who, you know, that we need to really lift them up right now, and so many people around the world that are hurting. There's so many persecuted Christians around the world in places where they can't come and meet and worship the Lord like we're doing right now. So let's pray for them. Dear God, we thank you that you're God. And all we have to do is be still and recognize that you are God. And you will be exalted in the nations. You will be exalted on the earth. And you want to use us, though, Lord. So we give back to you because we love you, because we know that as we give in faith, that you will unlock blessings and give back to us, meet our needs, Lord. Fill us with your peace and your protection and strength. And then, Lord, we pray you would use these gifts and multiply them, Lord, to make a difference. As we're making a difference all over the world, getting out the gospel of hope and meeting the needs of hurting people. 
because Jesus, you're the only answer to this sin-sick and broken world. And Lord Jesus, we pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, that you would protect them, watch over them, let them know that you're right there with them. We pray also, Lord, for Christians all over the world that are being persecuted and they're unable to worship and, and they're unable to pray freely, Lord, because they don't have that freedom to worship. But I thank you, Lord, that those churches, they may be underground, but they're growing like crazy and we just give you all the credit, protect and watch over them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the ushers are gonna come right now and take our offering. And while they do, I've got a, a really important announcement. Wednesday night is Ash Wednesday. Now, some of you are really excited about Fat Tuesday. You shouldn't be. But, but we're excited about Ash Wednesday. And at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night, right here in our auditorium, we're having an Ash Wednesday service that's going to be powerful. And I know God wants to use it in your life. Seven o'clock, be here. It's gonna be a powerful service. Get you ready for the Lenten season as we get ready for Easter. It's gonna be wonderful. You know, Mahalia Jackson was one of the greatest gospel singers of all time. She was the granddaughter of slaves, born and raised in poverty in New Orleans. And she placed her faith in Christ at an early age and she found a home in church, leading to a lifelong dedication and singular purpose to deliver God's word through song. And she was one of the greatest singers of all time. But the time she used her voice most effectively, it was heard by only one man in particular. It was on that August day in 1963 at the March on Washington that Jackson came up to the podium to sing one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite spirituals. And after the song, Dr. King got up to speak from his prepared notes. And suddenly, midway through the speech, Jackson shouted, Tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. King was startled at first. Then he hesitated, and he went off script and spoke from his heart something that he had shared at small gatherings before. I have a dream. The dream of Dr. King's vision of racial equality under God. And of course, one of the most powerful speeches in all history that changed history. And we as Christ followers should use our gifts to change history for Jesus Christ by telling his story because history is his story. And I I want us to sing one of those spirituals that Mahalia Jackson sang. No one knows exactly, you know, when this song started, but we know we can trace its roots to African-American history all the way back to slavery. Swing low, sweet chariot. And the first time one of those spirituals was ever recorded was in 1909 by the Fisk University Jubilee Choir is they recorded Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Just listen to the words and let's stand together and get ready to sing. May the Lord bless you. Let's remain standing and let's pray together. He's for you. He is for you. He is for you. He has a plan for you, and nothing can derail God's purpose for your life. He is with you. He is for you. If you're a Christ follower, he's within you, and he will hold you up when everything else falls apart. He will never let you down. Let's pray together. Dear God, I know that you're going to speak to us from your word that's so powerful in the next few moments, and Lord, I pray that you would just speak directly to our hearts your word that will change our lives. And I know that, Lord, so many came to church today or they're connected with us, worshiping online, and they're hurting because everyone carries a hidden hurt. And, Lord, you're the only one that can really heal our deepest wounds and hurts. And I thank you, Lord, that you are here and you know what they are. Meet us right at that greatest point of need and let us know that it's you, Jesus, And we give you all the glory and all the credit for what you're about to do in changing lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Have you ever been blindsided by devastating news that you just never saw coming? I mean, one day, it's all sunny, it's going smoothly, but the next day, everything changes. 
as it all comes crashing down in one crushing moment. Have you ever been blindsided? I mean, you go to bed one night and everything's going great. You wake up the next day and your whole world is turned upside down. Maybe you're blindsided by that phone call that just knocks you to your knees and leaves you in shock. Or maybe you're blindsided by betrayal that you just never saw coming. And it leaves you wondering how you're going to make it through. Or maybe you get the test results and everything just goes numb. And you just hear words being spoken as the room kind of spins. And it feels like they're talking about someone else, but it's not. Have you ever been blindsided? You see, we're in this church-wide challenge that's all about how to find hope when life gets hard, how to keep believing when you're blindsided, how to keep standing when everything in the world is shaking. And I'm so excited about what God is doing. It's amazing, and I know that so many of you now are in life groups because you're getting the messages on the weekend, but yet you're in a life group during the week where you meet once a week for maybe a couple hours and have some fun and fellowship with other people like you that are trying to go in the right direction but don't have it all together, and, and you're doing the new curriculum. It's a 10-minute video. And, and by the way, everyone in an existing life group, or if you get in a new life group today, then you get a free copy of our book, The Gift of One Day, How to Find Hope When Life Gets Hard. And we want everyone to be going through the book, going through the study, being here on the weekends because, man, life gets hard at times. And I don't know how you can make it without the Lord and other people around you in a life group. You know, this really came, comes out of the heart of our son Josh and his wife Kelly and how they kept believing when they were blindsided. And God wants you to keep believing when you're blindsided. And sometimes when you can't stand any longer, he holds you up and he lifts you up. When Kelly's pregnancy reached the 20th week, she and Josh went in for an ultrasound and they were just so excited for the first time to see their firstborn, Jude Samuel. And you know how the ultrasounds have really improved over the years. And if you've seen any ultrasounds lately, you know that you can just see that little baby, all the fingers and the toes, and it's just so clear. It's just amazing. So they went into that visit just over the moon, but they came back from the visit on their knees. For you see, they were blindsided by the news that Jude had a kidney defect that wouldn't allow his lungs to develop, and the doctor is compassionately is they could share, said there was no hope whatsoever. Within a matter of minutes, Josh and Kelly went from their lives being great to knowing they wouldn't be able to hold and take care of and watch over their firstborn son. Now, everybody's pain is different, and we would never compare our family's pain to your pain. They're all different levels of pain. All pain is different, but I think that Probably just about every one of you can relate to being blindsided. You know, getting that gut-punching, gut-wrenching news that you just never saw coming. And so how do you keep it together when everything is falling apart? How do you keep believing when you've been blindsided? We're gonna look at a time in the Old Testament when the prophet Elisha and his servant, they were blindsided by an enemy army that surrounded them. And the servant of Elisha just never saw it coming. And he was blindsided by an overwhelming force of fear. You see, the king of Aram would send these raiding parties into Israel, and they would always try to do a surprise attack. They were trying to blindside the Israelites with these raiding parties, but the problem was it didn't surprise anyone because the Israelites were always ready. The Israelite army was always ready and right at the same place at the same time wherever the Aramean army was trying to attack. And so the king of Aram said, I must have a traitor in my inner circle because they know exactly where we're going to attack and our surprise attacks aren't surprising anyone. But then one of the officers spoke up and said, no, it's not a traitor in our midst. There's a prophet in Israel named Elisha. And this guy is so in tune with God that he knows 
every word you speak in your bedroom, king. Well, the king got so angry, and he said, we got to take this guy out. Where does he live? Where is he? They discovered he was in a little village called Dothan. And so the king sends an entire army to go against one man of God. And they go at night to try to blindside them. And at night, they sneak up on the house, and they surround the house, this whole army surrounding the house. Have you ever felt surrounded? Maybe today you feel surrounded by an army of anxiety that's attacking your peace of mind. Or maybe you feel surrounded by problems and pain that are bombarding your emotions, and you've completely lost your peace. Or maybe you feel surrounded by a war of worry that's just wearing you out. And everywhere you look, whether it's your news feed or your workplace, it just seems to be filled with uncertainty. And you're worn out from worry. Every one of us have been blindsided at times. And so I want us to look at what you do when you feel surrounded by an army of anxiety. Open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. And would you stand in honor of God's word? Woodland Church, just follow along with me because it says, then he, the king of Aram, sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You can be seated. Elisha's servant's name was Gehazi. And can you just imagine Gehazi waking up at dawn and going outside in his pajamas, he wants to see what the weather is like that day, and so he's stretching and yawning, and he wipes the sleep from his eyes, and he looks up, and he sees that he's surrounded by an army of overwhelming force, and there's no way out. And instantly, he feels surrounded by an overwhelming force of fear. And by the way, whenever you're filled with fear, you can't help that. That's just a, a human emotion that, that God, God created us to experience that human emotion of fear. And it's sort of there to protect us and to alarm us and to alert us. And so sometimes you're filled with fear and there's no reason for it. And other times you're filled with fear and maybe there is a reason for it, like this. But you can't help it when you're filled with fear. But then you get a choice. You get a choice whether you let that fear dominate and paralyze you or whether you choose faith in that moment. Whether you let that fear overwhelm you because you can't help the feelings of fear that come over you, but then you can choose in spite of the feelings of fear, you're gonna choose faith. Well, this servant was overcome by overwhelming fear and he runs back into the house and there's Elisha, the prophet, just sipping his cup of coffee, reading the morning paper. And Gehazi says, there's a whole army out there. They've surrounded us. There's no way out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this one? And Elisha just continues to calmly sip his cup of coffee and say, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Don't you know there are more on our side than they're there on their side? We've got them way outnumbered. And I'm sure Gehazi was thinking, what? I mean, you're a mighty man of God, but you're terrible at math. You're great at spiritual stuff, but you are terrible at math because I see that we're outnumbered thousands to one or two. I mean, I'm not expecting you to fight very hard but we're outnumbered. And then Elisha prays, God, open his eyes so that he can see. And immediately when Gehazi looks out, he sees thousands upon thousands of angels riding 
chariots of blazing fire surrounding them, preventing the enemy army from touching them. And then he's filled with faith. And here's the whole point. When you feel blindsided and overwhelmed, pray, God, open my eyes so that I can see. At first, Gehazi was asking, what do we do? What do we do? What are we gonna do? And by the way, the prophets at that time were who God spoke through. And now, of course, we can go directly to God because of Jesus Christ. But the prophets were the ones that you went to. And so really, Gehazi was going to God. He was going to God's instrument on earth, the prophet Elisha. And he was saying, what are are we going to do? What do I need to do? I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? And he was screaming this. And so it was a good prayer. And many times I prayed that prayer. God, what am I supposed to do? God, how am I going to get through this? God, I don't know what to do next. God, uh, what do I do with this situation? God, what's the next step? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And that's a good prayer. But that's not the first and most important prayer when you're going through hard times. The most important prayer to pray is, God, open my eyes so I can see. Admit that I can't see very clearly in this situation. Sometimes the pain blinds me to what's really going on. God, open my eyes so I can see a little bit more of your perspective, so I can see your power in the middle of this, so I can see your goodness in the middle of this awful situation. God, open my eyes so that I can see that you're the one who's still in control. See, faith is not denying what you can see. Faith is just admitting that reality is a lot more than you can see. Faith is not denying reality. It's just really admitting that there's a lot more to reality than you can ever see. Faith is not denying the problem. It's just seeing that God is greater than any problem. And by the way, you can have 20-20 vision physically and be totally blind spiritually. I know that most of the time we as Christians have really bad spiritual eyesight. We need spiritual LASIK surgery. And when you don't have eyes that truly see, then all you can see is the pain of the problems right in front of you. It's really hard to see that God is a good God who loves you and cares for you in the middle of all the pain. And so we need eyes that truly see. Otherwise, we'll just stumble over all the stuff that we can't see. And we won't make right steps. We won't go in the right direction. Now, I have to admit, usually I I wanna see And when I pray, God, open my eyes that I can see, what I'm really praying is, God, open my eyes so I can see why you're doing this because I don't get it. God, why would you allow this pain into my life? Why would you allow these problems? Why would you allow this? Doesn't make any sense, God. Tell me why, why, why? And usually that's what I want. God, open my eyes so I can see why, and he rarely does that. And by the way, if God did show you why, He allowed the pain and the suffering into your life. It wouldn't bring any comfort. But one day, one day when we get to heaven, we'll know all the whys. It'll all make sense at that time, but some things on this earth just don't make any sense at all. And sure, we wanna know why, and it's okay to pray, God, why, why, why? And he will just listen patiently to all of our questions. But really, what I found that He usually doesn't open my eyes to why, but he does wanna open my eyes to see some powerful things that I'll need so I can keep standing when everything is shaken. And the first thing he wants to open my eyes to is that nothing surprises him. Nothing surprises God. When you're blindsided, it's so important to remember that God is never blindsided by anything. And I'll never forget after our family heard about Jude's, diagnosis and, you know, the really, you know, painful diagnosis that we were going to lose our first grandchild and, and the bad news just crushed us, knocked us all to our knees and in the middle of crying and hugging and holding each other and trying to lift Josh and Kelly up, Josh spoke up and he said, it's good to know that nothing surprises God. You know, we've been surprised by this, blindsided by this but God knew about Jude's condition all along, and he's not surprised by it. 
and he's the one writing Jude's story. And so we'll just trust him with that. And that just moved me so much to see in that moment that he could see that so clearly with the tears in his eyes, that he still had that 2020 vision to see from God. And when you've been blindsided by a gut-wrenching, knock-to-your-knees moment that you never saw coming, remember no matter what smashes into your life, God wasn't blindsided by it. God already knew, and he was already grieving for you before you experienced it. Nothing surprises God, and he's the one writing your story, and he's not finished yet. And when you're numb and feel like you don't have the strength to hold it together, he will hold you, and he will never let you go. In 2 Kings 6.15, it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. So Elisha's servant goes to bed the night before, only to be blindsided in the morning, and he's shocked to see that they're surrounded by this whole army that's ready to attack. You know, God is never surprised when you're surrounded. When you feel surrounded by anxiety, when you feel surrounded by fear, when you feel surrounded by depression, when you feel surrounded by grief, God is not surprised when you're surrounded. The Aramean army rode through the night so that they could surprise Elisha. They rode through the night so that they wouldn't be seen, so that they could blindside him. But as they rode through the night, no one else saw them, but God saw them. God saw them. God's never blindsided. God sees everything that goes on in the dark. And God saw the enemy in the night preparing to surprise attack. And maybe the enemy is just launching a surprise attack on your marriage or on your family. Maybe the enemy is attacking your peace of mind. Maybe the enemy is attacking your emotions. Maybe the enemy is on the attack in your life right now. It is good to know that God is not surprised by anything that the enemy does. You need to understand that Satan, he's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful, but God is. And so when he attacks in the night, God's already seen it. And here's the amazing thing. God has a protective hedge around you. If you're a Christ follower, the Bible says God has this protective hedge around you, and the enemy constantly is shooting these fiery arrows trying to attack you, trying to attack your family, trying to attack your business. He's trying to attack constantly your peace of mind and the amazing thing is, those fiery arrows just bounce off God's protective hedge. But every once in a while, God opens up that hedge and he allows one of those fiery darts in and we don't know all the reasons why. We know some of them, but we don't know all the reasons why that God allows it. And that's when we go, God, what are you doing? That, that just hits me right in the heart. Why did you allow that? But what we don't think about is all of the fiery arrows that just bounced off that we didn't even know about. That time when God protected us from that car wreck, that time when God protected us, when Satan was trying to come at us and steal our peace, but God filled us with peace. Many times we don't even know it because he's protecting us every second of every day, but we do know and we do feel those times when he allows something to come through for our ultimate good and for his glory. When the enemy hits you where it hurts with the overwhelming force of fear and you never saw it coming, it is comforting to know that God did, to know that nothing catches God off guard and nothing can derail God's plan. There is no power of hell, no scheme of Satan, no sin of man that can destroy God's purpose for your life. Nothing surprises God and nothing stops God's plan and God's purpose. He's the one that writes the story and he's not finished with it yet. And right then and there, even though it wasn't the story we wanted, we were mad at God and upset at God for the way he was writing Jude's story. We knew that Jude's story was a good story. You see, God was there, he is there, and he will be there. 
because nothing surprises him. So I want to pray, God, open my eyes to see that nothing surprises you when I'm blindsided. But then secondly, I want to pray, God, open my eyes to see that hard isn't the opposite of good. It's so important because when you're blindsided, it's almost impossible at times to see God's goodness without God really doing a miracle to open your eyes to see it. In Nahum 1.7, it says, The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust him. The Lord is good. That's his character. And there's a lot of bad that comes into our lives. God doesn't cause it, but he's not blindsided by it. But there are times that he allows it. And he wants us to run to him when we're hurting, but you won't really run to God when you're hurting unless deep, deep down you believe that God is a good God that he really loves you. Oh, you'll question it when you're hurting. You may run to him and get mad at him and yell at him and scream at him, and that's really healthy to do. That's what most of the Psalms is. David, upset at God, and just letting God have it, but the amazing thing is God always turns him when he does that, and the amazing thing is God just listens. He may not answer why, but he just listens and he grieves for us, and he hurts for us. And, but when you run away from God, that's what's so devastating. God says, I'm right here in the middle of your pain. I'll be right here. I'll listen. I'll love. I'll care for you. My presence will be with you. You can pour your heart out to me. You can pour your tears out to me. But if you don't believe God is a good God, you won't run to him. And that's why it's so important for you to pray. God, open my eyes to see that hard isn't the opposite of good and that your character is good even when I can't feel it or see it. And God begins to open your eyes and you start looking and in the middle of the bad, you see God's goodness, God working goodness and comfort and strength through his people, through little things that are giant during times of hardship and pain. Romans 8, 28 says that all things, God causes all things the most painful things, the worst things, evil things. God can take them all and bring good out of them. Now, a lot of people misquote that verse. You know, when you're hurting and grieving, some people will say, hey, it's all gonna be great because all things work for good. It's all good. It's like, no, it's not all good. Some things in life are bad. They're evil. They're terrible. They're horrible. Not all things are good. What it says is that God can take the worst of the worst and he can bring good out of it. And so we want God to open our eyes to see it because just as the disciples, when Christ was crucified, couldn't see, even though he had told them that it was gonna be the greatest thing for them that could ever be, even though he had told them all they could see was that it was the most awful day in the history of the world, and it was. There's no other way around it. When humanity crucified God himself on a cross. But what did God do? He turned that crucifixion into a resurrection. And that worst day in the history of humankind became our best day because it gives us forgiveness in heaven one day. He turns crucifixions into resurrections. God is an expert of bringing good out of the worst of the worst. So I want to pray, God, open my eyes so I can see that good, that goodness, signs of your goodness in the middle of the pain. And Chris said last week that keep a miracle book. Keep a miracle book and write down where you're going through pain. Write down every little thing that God does and you will be amazed and you'll see little signs all along the way that God is right there, that he hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you that he's right there in his goodness and his love. But then I wanna pray, God, open my eyes so I can see there's a hidden gift in every hurt. There's a hidden gift in every hurt. Sometimes it's buried really deep. Matt Malone is a security analyst, but he has his own little part-time business. He's a dumpster diver. And he makes about $100,000 a year dumpster diving part-time. He said, I can make a whole lot more if I would just quit my analyst job and be full-time. You guys are really listening up. And he says, I don't mess around with restaurant dumpsters, but what I do is go to big box stores, like 
Home Depot and Best Buy and Office Max, and I dive into those dumpsters, and I find things that I can sell on Amazon and eBay and Craigslist, and that's how I made $100,000 last year. Some of you are going to go to Home Depot right after this, and I hope when you get in that dumpster that the, that the garbage truck comes by and takes you away. Well, amazing, isn't it? He digs through the trash, and he finds treasure. But I have to say, some of the greatest treasures that you'll ever find in life will be underneath all the mess, all the garbage, all the pain, all the bad. And the greatest treasures are usually buried the deepest. So I need God to open my eyes to find the hidden gift in this hurt. You remember that hard isn't the opposite of good, and there is a hidden gift in every hurt. And let that become your focus. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul said this, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Paul said, did you know that we were crushed and overwhelmed? So much so that we couldn't take another step. I mean, we were done. We thought we were dead. We thought it was all over. I, I, I mean, we had nothing left. But you know, there was a hidden gift in that hurt. It taught us to rely only on God. God who raises the dead, and God somehow got us through. It taught us a very important lesson, and it's been a treasure that we found underneath all the trash, and that is that we need God every moment. But we came to realize it in this situation. I wish we would have realized it before this situation. I wish we would keep realizing it all the time, but man, in that situation, I knew it. Because the only way you know that God is all you need is when God is all you have. And he said, God is all we had, and we found that God was trustworthy, that God got us through. And we look back on that, and we think, what a powerful God we have. Do you feel crushed and overwhelmed, and you feel like you can't go on any longer? That's when you realize that God holds you, and he's the one that sees you through. You know, every day I go through this, where I feel like, God, I, I want to be the best husband I can be. God, I want to be the best dad and granddad I can be. That's what I'm going to do today, God. That's it. That's it, God. Yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go do it, and I'm so excited about it and passionate about it, and I'm going to be the best pastor. I'm going to be the best pastor for these people ever, and I'm going to go for it. And Yeah, and then about nine in the morning, it's like, God, I'm terrible at being a husband. God, I'm probably the worst dad ever. God, I mean, I mean, I don't even know what to do at church right now. God, I, and then God reminds me, remember, it's my power, it's my strength, and I fall on my face usually, but then I get to my knees and he raises me up and gives me the strength to be what he's called me to be, but it only comes from God's strength because don't you realize you can't live the Christian life? There's only one person who's lived the Christian life successfully, and that's Jesus Christ. But the good news is, if you're a Christ follower, he lives inside you through his Holy Spirit, and he lives through you. But when you're trying to do it yourself, he can't show his power in your life. But when you come to the place where you realize you're dependent on God for your next breath, for your next step, for your next heartbeat, then he takes over, and you find his peace and his strength when you have no strength. You find a peace that passes understanding when you have no understanding. That's what God does. And so I don't understand all the reasons why that he allows us to fall flat on our face at times and in failure. I don't understand all the reasons why that we get that gut punch and are knocked to our knees, but I know that on our knees there's a hidden gift, and that is I can rely on God even in the worst times. Even on the worst day of my life, God will be there, even when I can't feel him. Even when I can't see him, he's there. 
So I need to pray, God, open my eyes to see there's a hidden gift in every hurt. But then there's a fourth thing, maybe the most important. God, open my eyes so I can see that you surround me when I feel surrounded. God surrounds you when you feel surrounded. In 2 Kings 6, 16, the prophet said, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. With God on your side, you're never outnumbered by your obstacles. God plus one is a majority. Maybe you feel all alone today. Maybe this is the loneliest you've ever felt because no one understands your pain. No one understands your heartache. No one understands what you're going through. God does. And one plus God equals a majority. God is on your side. He is for you. When you feel surrounded, you need to see that God surrounds you. First, you're surrounded by God's protection. In 2 Kings 6, 17, it says, And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that, so that he can see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So God had sent an angel army to protect him. And I want you to know that real, real reality is the things we can't see. There's this cosmic clash that's going on all the time. And God has won the war because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising again. But yet, there's this battle going on as Satan is fighting knowing that he's lost, but there's a battle going on, and the good news is there are angels protecting you. The angel army of God with the flaming chariots of fire, even when you can't see them, they're there. He goes before you, he goes behind you, he goes beside you, and you'll never have to go anywhere alone. Not for one moment will you be forsaken because God's protection and God's presence. God's presence is with you. In Hebrews 13, five, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So not for one moment will you be forsaken. Not for one moment will you be forgotten. Not for one moment. You may feel faithless, but you're not forgotten. God is faithful. Don't ever forget that. Sometimes I don't feel God's presence at all, but in my heart, I know he's there. And here's the amazing thing. Years later, you may look back on the hardest time in your life and you will realize, man, God was right there. How did we make it through? It was only the presence of God holding us up, strengthening us, comforting us. You may not feel it while you're going through it. You may feel that God is a million miles away, that he's nowhere around, that he doesn't hear a word you say, that you're totally forsaken and totally forgotten. But no, he will never forsake you. Not for one second will you be forsaken. It's not about how you feel. It's about choosing in faith to believe the word of God. You can trust him. You may feel forsaken. You may feel fearful. You may feel faithless, but it doesn't matter. He's right there being faithful. Don't trust your feelings. Trust God's word. But then there's also God's people. This is really important because God wants to surround you with his presence, his protection, but also with his people. In 2 Corinthians 1, 4, it says he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else that is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. And that's why it's so wonderful to be a part of a large church family because I can guarantee you whatever you're going through right now, there's at least one or two or 200 people who've already gone through that that you can connect with and that will get you. Because when you're going through pain, the only people that really understand are those who've been through that pain. Everybody else can care and be there and, and give you that hug. But the only people who really get it are those who've been through it. And the amazing thing is God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a teardrop. He never wastes your pain because when you go through pain, God wants you to get to the place where you help others who are going through the same pain because you're the only one who gets it. That's the way God works in his church family. We're to comfort each other. We're to encourage each other. 
That's why you need to be a part of a church family. It's God's will for your life that you join a church. And there's so many great churches around here. And you need to pick one. You need to connect to it. As long as they teach God's word is true and lift up Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven, then that's a great church. But if you like Woodland Church, if you've been coming to Woodland Church, it probably means that God has a place for you here. And you need to take a step and join. The Christian life is not just a matter of believing. It's a matter of belonging belonging and growing, and that's how you really grow. You belong to a church family, and that family surrounds you when you're going through pain, and we surround each other, and we encourage each other, and we're there for each other, and today's our membership class. That's how you join, and it's at one o'clock from one to three, and it's upstairs. We feed you. We take care of your kids. There's no excuse. Some of you, this is the time to just take a little step, a little baby step, and get into God's will because it's God's will that you join a local church family, that you connect and then that your needs get met and you meet others' needs. And I'm telling you, we have so many ministries and life groups that gather around you and connect with you and it makes all the difference in the world. For you see, we live in very shaky times. I can't tell you what's gonna happen tomorrow but I know God's already there. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And everything looks like it's in chaos today, but I know who's still in control. And it's all moving to a crescendo of history because history is his story. And what you see on the surface, oh, that's important. What you see on the news, that's important stuff, but the most important things are going on underneath the surface. The things that you can't see what God is doing. Like the persecuted church in China, we see there's been a giant crackdown over the last several years. Church is being destroyed, crosses being torn down. But did you know the church is growing like never before in the persecution? Thousands upon thousands of people coming to Christ saying, I don't care because I want Jesus in my life. I mean, we don't see what's going on beneath the surface, but God is moving powerfully. And I want you to know when everything is shaken, there is a solid rock. When you feel like the wind in your emotions and your emotions are all over the place with anxiety and fear and uncertainty, he is the mountain that you can throw yourself upon. And he will take the wind and the anger and the hurt and all that you fling upon him. But don't forget to Cast your heart upon him. You cast your cares because he cares for you. We live in a very shaky world, and if you don't have Jesus Christ, man, you better receive Jesus Christ. If you don't have Christ in your life, then you ought to be scared. You ought to be worried. There's so much uncertainty. But when Christ is in your life, when everything is shaken, you will be unshakable with his power and his strength and his grace one step at a time. Do you believe that, Woodland Church? Let's just thank him that he is the rock of ages and he is the rock of this age. He was there, he is there, and he will be there for you. You will never be forsaken. Let's bow together and let's pray. And if you've never received Christ, this is your chance. Just pray silently to God this prayer. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that you are Lord and I admit that I need your forgiveness for all my sins because I've tried to be God and play God and tried to control everything and more of my life just spins out of control and I realize I'm powerless without you so I ask you to come into my life with your Holy Spirit and fill me up and change me from the inside out and, and I thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again as best I know how Lord I just accept your free gift of heaven I could never earn it or deserve it, but I accept it, your grace and your salvation. I want you now to help me grow in my faith to follow you from now on. And Lord, I pray for everyone here who's going through one of the hardest times in their lives. I don't know if they're surrounded by an army of anxiety or, or an army of depression or an army of just grief that's overwhelming or an army of problems that just seems to, clobber their emotions, Lord, and 
I, I don't know what it is, but I know that every one of us have hidden hurts. So I pray that you would heal and strengthen and you would work miracles in relationships and families as the enemy's been attacking families and marriages and just bring healing as only you can. And, and Lord, I, I pray that you would just fill us with your peace that passes understanding so that you would open our eyes to see your goodness in the middle of the pain. So Lord, my main prayer today is that you would open my eyes and you would open all of our eyes so we can clearly see, that we can clearly see that nothing surprises you. And we can clearly see that heart isn't the opposite of good, that you are still good in the middle of all the bad that goes on in this world today. And Lord, we know that you have a plan and you have a purpose and there's a hidden gift in every hurt. And open our eyes to see that you're surrounding us, Lord, when we feel surrounded. I pray that you'd help everyone feel just a little bit of your comfort and your love today, but even if we can't feel it, Lord, what an opportunity to choose to walk in faith so that you can build our faith. Thank you that you'll never forsake us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together, Woodlands Church, because as I said, it doesn't matter what you feel like. Don't feel it, faith it. It doesn't matter what you feel like. What matters is that you just choose you choose to say, God, I believe you because you'll never let me down. You'll never fail me. You'll be there. And so let that be a statement of faith here. Maybe the most important time of our services right here is you sing to God. Sometimes when you sing and you don't even feel it, God inhabits the praises of his people and then he begins to take hold of you and you sing whether you feel it or not and the feelings come along. But sing in faith because I know that God has not forsaken you, that God will not fail you. We don't understand it all, but we'll be able to look back and say, God, you were there the whole time because you cannot fail, because you are God and you are good and you are the rock of ages that will never be shaken. Do you believe that, Willen Church? Then let's sing it with all our heart. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.